Hey guys, this is Megan Rawlings, and you are listening to the Talk Bible to Me podcast presented by The Bold Movement. Hey, sweet friends, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 3 of the Talk Bible to Me podcast. Today, I have a very special guest with me, Emily Richardson. Emily, tell us a little bit about yourself, new co-host. Hey. <laughs> oh, I'm Emily Richardson, and I'm a pastor's wife in North Carolina. Um, we moved here uh, the week before COVID hit, so we have been through quite a year of ministry and trying to deal with COVID while also getting to know an entirely new congregation. And um, yeah, it's been fun, but it's been exciting. I have two kiddos. Well, my husband's name is Matt. I probably should preface with that. And then I have two kiddos, Judah. He will be six this summer and Savannah just turned three. I am so excited that you're here. Um, I'm just going to tell our audience. So we went to a trip to Hawaii And there was this girl and she was super like perfectly dressed every day that we were there at this resort and never met her before, um, complete stranger. And I just was so obsessed with her outfits and the way she wore her hair that I was like, hey girl, you're so cute. And then I'd walk away and then like overthink it the rest of the night about how much of a weirdo I was complimenting this random woman. Now, mind you, we're at a pastor's conference, so it's not like it was like a complete stranger um, which wouldn't have been completely out of my <laughs> out of my comfort zone. I totally would have done that anyway. every day. <laughs> but we were at the same conference, and I was like, I got to connect with this girl. She's super cool. So on the very last day, right before we're getting ready to leave uh, to go back home, uh, I was out by the pool, and I saw her, and I was like, hey, cool outfit. And then I said – I'm just going to talk to her and not be a weirdo and compliment and then walk away. And then we basically decided that we were the same person. Well, I decided that. I don't know what she thought. I was like, this is my twin, not dress-wise, because I don't dress nearly as cute as she does. But we have a lot of similar interests. And she's not a heretic. So I was super excited to find another woman who is as passionate about training other women and theology and Bible um, and biblical literacy as I was. And then um, I listened, I found a clip of her on YouTube where she was teaching at her church. And uh, I was like, oh, send me it whenever you want. And then I was like, forget it. I'm going to find it because I'm very aggressive, I guess. (laughs) You guys, I'm watching her and she's so uncomfortable right now. And I even made a note, Megan, don't make her uncomfortable. And I'm doing it, but that's okay. Not hard to do though. Introvert. So yeah, yeah. Very introverted. I think her, oh, she's blushing. I couldn't tell if that was makeup or her face. I'm totally kidding. But anyway, I listen. I'm telling you what, this girl can bring it. Um, She's amazing. She preach the gospel and she teaches with that fire in her belly and she is forward and she is bold and she was my kind of girl. So I said, okay, you're going to help me with my podcast. And I didn't really give her an option. I just said, we're doing it or else Um, I'll pray that God gives you patience. And I think that's like the worst threat anyone could ever give. But I'm here. So it worked. It worked. Okay. So (laughs) do you want to add anything to that? Oh my gosh. No, just that your outfits were equally as cute. So you can't just leave it that I was the only one in the cute <laughs> outfit. And I was very intimidated by you. So I appreciated you coming and telling me you liked my outfits because 
you made me feel welcome. <laughs> Intimidated in the sense that it's like way too much personality because no, like, I've, you're very cool. So, <laughs> hey, Matt, if you're listening, my Matt, if you're listening, she said I was cool. I just want that to be noted. <laughs> it's official now. That's right. Every every morning when I get ready, I always, as soon as I'm done getting ready for work, I look at my husband and I say, how does it feel? And he says, how does what feel, baby? And I say, to be married to such a cool lady. And then he's like, I wouldn't know. So it's. (laughs) Sometimes he's nice and he's like, oh, it's amazing, you know, and, you know, entertains me. So whatever. Um, So anywho. I am so excited to work through Philippians with you. Um, And so, ladies, uh, Emily's going to help us study. Go grab your Bible if you can, because in this episode, we're going to be working through Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, and we're doing this verse by verse. If this is your first time listening to our podcast, welcome, aloha, since we met in Hawaii. I'm back. <laughs> I, I don't know. We're we're winging it. This is going to be great. <laughs> I definitely just snorted. <laughs> so. Oh, I love snorters. That means she's letting loose and having fun. Okay. Oh, um, I'm really glad you found us. Um, and for my returners, thank you so much for keeping up with us and tuning in. Hopefully we don't scare Emily away and she'll want to do this again and again and again. Because I think podcasts are more fun when there's not just one personality talking, but an equal balance. We love being a place for you to grow and learn. And we hope that through this study, you gain some extra boldness and confidence to start teaching your own Bible study. And before we begin, I want to let you know that this podcast is an extension of the Bold Movement, which is a ministry that trains women to boldly step into their role in the kingdom of God. There are tons of free resources on the website, as well as Bible studies that not only teach you scripture, but also how to study it. And podcast episodes, not just like this one, but hopefully they will be because this one is extra fun with Emily. This is all designed to help you grow in your faith and find your role and purpose in the kingdom of God. You can visit our website at www.theboldmovement.com. Today's episode is presented by listeners like you who have committed to supporting the Bold Movement through our Patreon page. Those supporters are mentioned later on, and you can be too. Just visit www.patreon.com forward slash the Bold Movement. All right, sis, here's how we work. We're going to read a verse or two of scripture, and then we'll pause to work through it and discuss what it means with one another. And um, I will name the resources that I am using, and I'm sure Emily will too, as well as post them on our website so you can familiarize yourself with them as well. Um, With that being said, let's study Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Today, I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version, and this is often referred to as the ESV. So let's go ahead and start with verse 12. Emily, do you want to read verse 12 for us? Sure, I can. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it, oh, that's just verse 12. Oh, well, I had 13 on here too. So go ahead and read verse 13 too. (laughs) I'm going to cut that. (laughs) Nah, this is great. 
I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has, it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. All right, go ahead and exegete for us. I'm just okay. kidding. I'm not going to make you start. <laughs> I have notes, but that's just jumping right in. <laughs> that's right. We don't mess around. We are very bold, as they say. Um, I just want to recap a little bit. So this is Paul writing a letter to the Church of Philippi. He is in prison. It's one of his, what we call a prison epistle, which is a fancy way of saying a letter that he wrote while he was in prison. And um, he wants his friends in Philippi to know that there is no need to worry. Um, God is using his imprisonment to advance the gospel. And we're going to talk more about that in just a second. But I think one of the really cool things that I gathered from verse 12, and it stood out, um, (laughs) Paul's telling us, you know, he's not grumbling or complaining in this situation. And this is like one of those strange predicaments that, he sees as a positive, like he talks about in Romans, um, God working all things for the glory of those who love him. And I think this is one of those things where it's, okay, I'm in this really crappy situation, but God is using it to promote the word, to promote the gospel, to promote the message of Jesus Christ and expand the kingdom. Do you have initial thoughts on these first two verses before we really break it down? Yes. Um, I just think it's amazing how his personal concerns didn't matter at all. Like he was Mm. not about himself and that goes along with the, he doesn't grumble or complain, but like truly he was humble in the Lord. And the only thing that mattered was the gospel. And um, we should all have that mindset. It's hard to have, I'm sure, especially if he was in prison, but how much more so that he didn't even care that he was in prison. He just wanted the gospel advanced. And I love um, something that I preach all the time to women is the gospel is not just for the lost and unsaved. It is for us every day. And it's something that we need to repeat to ourselves and remind ourselves. And that's why we do communion together. It's a time to remember what Christ did for us. Um, Okay. So I think sometimes when we read our Bible, it's easy to, um, especially Philippians is one of those books that it's easy to read through. And I think oftentimes we do, but we don't always like study it and really take what's being said there. Um, I was reading a commentary by D.A. Carson, and I absolutely loved what he said, so I'm just going to quote him straight up. The flow of Paul's argument is remarkable. Apparently, and this is interesting, some of his critics thought Paul had let the side down rather badly by getting himself arrested. And I think it's really interesting that we never think about the critics that are coming against Paul during this time. It's so easy um, to mourn with those who are mourning, but mm-hmm. to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Like I, I say that all the time, but it's true. If someone is successful, it's really hard to be excited for them. I have those notes later, so I'm not going to go too much into that because I, I like <laughs> my notes what I said later. So anyway, I'm going to finish this quote. Um, if... As is likely, he is writing from prison in Rome. He is awaiting trial before the emperor. And Paul is in this situation because he himself had appealed to the emperor, like in Acts 26. One can easily imagine the reasoning of Paul's critics. Depending on how this case turns out, Paul's appeal to the emperor could bring Christianity into ill repute. Paul is constantly rushing headlong into things where a wiser, cooler head would have been cautious. Why did did he have to go up to Jerusalem and get himself arrested anyway? 
He knew how much he was held in contempt there. Surely there was a better way. Now, like I said, Paul um, was very successful in planting churches and growing Christianity. And so I do think that there was uh, possibly an element of jealousy in that. But I also, I know that I am <laughs> very like when people do things and it makes Christianity look bad. For mm -hmm. example, nationalism, Christian nationalism, where there's this promotion of um, conservativeness or whatever. And I'm, I'm whatever, if you want to, I'm conservative, right? Mm -hmm. But I think there is an element where we are turning that into idolatry and that makes Christianity look bad. So I get where the critics of Paul are coming from. What say you? Completely agree. I think it's so easy to see someone who is successful and just automatically think like you have to knock it down. I think especially in the Christian world, we're easy to judge and think, if they're successful, but then they get thrown in jail, then they must have been doing something wrong or they must not have been following the gospel correctly because, especially in our Western culture, like surely you wouldn't be put in jail because of following the gospel. You're just being mm. too bold. You're being too offensive and you need to just tone it down a little bit. But like Paul wasn't toned down. He was bold and he said what he knew was true regardless of what people thought of that and people didn't like it. And that happens a lot. You're right. And people in Canada and Europe are being arrested yeah. um, for preaching the Bible. And yes. it's easy to be like, you don't have to preach those things and get arrested yeah. and make us look like bigots or whatever. But the simple matter is truth is truth. And we have to hold to that. Yep. Um, he continues. Um, Paul has few regrets. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. That's verse 12. That is what he cares about. Not his own comfort, but the advancement of the gospel. And he offers two reasons in defense of his judgment. And I love that. Like, it's easy for us to judge. I want to be more like Paul than I am the critics. Mm -hmm. But I think too often I am more like the critics than I am Paul. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot easier to be a critic. Absolutely. Okay. I'll read verse 14 and then I'll let you take it. Are you okay with that? And then I'll jump in with notes too. Yep. I actually okay. Verse 14. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So this is such a big deal. Um, I think we need to pay attention to this because... We think of speaking the word as being gentle and quiet and um, easy, honestly, especially in America. And when it's bold, there's going to be fear, right? So um, I think that's kind of the key point there to speak the word without fear. Because if you feel like you're supposed to speak something maybe to a friend and it's an honest truth, it's a biblical truth, but you feel afraid to share that, so then you don't, you might be missing a huge opportunity to be sharing the gospel when they're ready, the harvest is ripe, and they might be ready to hear the gospel. And I think what's so cool about Paul and his circumstances is that, like I said in the beginning, he didn't care about his circumstances. He cared that the gospel was being preached. And because of his boldness, it made others bold. And so I think that's the other example we have is that when we're bold or when someone around us is is bold. It spurs us on to spread the gospel more boldly. Mm. So with that is going to come 
the possibility of fear. And so we have to ask ourselves, is it worth going through, you know, that moment of fear and then you get past it and you share something that's true and that might offend somebody actually probably will not might it will offend somebody (laughs) yeah the gospel is offensive yes it's very offensive but that willingness to share it might spur on more people around you you don't know who you're going to impact you know your whole movement is called the bold movement and a huge piece of that is when one person's bold the rest might follow so um that's just such a big example that paul set for us that his courage caused others to lay their fears aside and become bold in preaching God's word. I agree. Um, I want to go back for just a second, back to verse 13. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to break this down for you guys real quick. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Um, this is not just like everyone around me is like all the prisoners are listening. This is the Imperial guard. These are the guards, the people who have locked him up and they're guarding him. They are the ones um, that are hearing the gospel and the gospel is being advanced through. Mm-hmm. And then it says, and to all the rests. So everyone else, you know, the other prisoners or whatever um, during his imprisonment. So like Emily was saying, it's not just about, um, Whatever. You never know who you're affecting when you're speaking truth, when you're speaking the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, in verse 14, it says, and most of the brothers. I want to explain who the brothers are in this verse. The brothers here, he is talking about the other Christians around him, not just other men. Um, these are, I talk with my hands. I've just noticed that. <laughs> like, I figure, ah. Um, <laughs> And most of the brothers, he's talking about brothers in Christ, the Christians who are surrounding him. They are the ones who have become confident in the Lord by his imprisonment. And uh, they're more bold to speak the word. And when they're talking about the word here, it's also in reference to the gospel message and the coming of the kingdom of God. And they're bolder because he is in prison. And I think that the church is seeing a lot of persecution and um, all over the world and China and Iraq. I mean, they're the underground churches. And I honestly think that it is making its way to America, not to be this conspiracy theorist, but, um, there's, you know, our rights are being dense down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and truth is relative to most people. Mm-hmm. And it's, well, that's your truth, or I'm offended by this, therefore it's not true. And that's just not how it works. I mean, truth is absolute. You can't this, have both. <laughs> this statement that truth is not absolute is an absolute statement. It's incorrect, but it is an absolute statement. Um, this stuff's frustrating. But I'm actually encouraged by stuff like that. Because I think when the church is under persecution, that's when we see our boom. And that's when we see... Yeah. The boys separated from the men. And um, it shows that there is something worth risking your life for. And that is the truth of the gospel and the truth of what Jesus Christ can do for you. Um, Lynn Kohick, uh, in her commentary, tells us that Paul's chains have also served to greatly encourage Roman believers to preach the gospel. And Rome, ha- Rome 
<laughs> went through a lot, guys. So like, we'll get to that because we're going to do a Bible study in Romans um, in the fourth quarter of this year. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, these believers see Paul's witness. And in that testimony, they see the power of Christ. The power has raised their confidence to speak the word. Paul rightly notes that these Roman believers are not speaking because of Paul himself, but because their trust and confidence are firmly in the Lord. And I love that part. Um, yes, Paul is the instrument God is using, but the Holy Spirit is where their confidence is coming from. Nothing makes Paul more pleased than the gospel is being shared and reminds his readers that all believers are equipped to talk about Christ's work, the gospel. Yes. And with that too, like that just shows that like Paul's imprisonment was intended by God for the defense and the spread of the gospel, because within like a span of, I believe it was about 30 years, God used these men, like these just humble men to spread it from this little obscure town all the way to a defense before Caesar, like mm. the Roman empire. And that just shows how when you're trusting in the Lord, how much he can do through you. And the fact that Paul's imprisonment was used specifically for that to, to bring the gospel in front of Caesar, like of all people, he was one of the most powerful people in the world, if not the most powerful person in the world at the time. Right. Absolutely. And I love also, uh, Kohik alludes to the fact that you're the boldness they got from the confidence they had in the Lord through Paul's imprisonment, these were not men with seminary degrees. Um, these were not Pharisees. These were not men who were trained to the extent that Paul was. But because they were so encouraged and because they um, were able to take in his message, they felt that confidence of, I can do this and it's important that I do it. And they went out and did it themselves. And I'm not trying to minimize degrees because I do think education is incredibly important, especially for teachers and preachers. But you do not have to have a formal education to share the gospel. Um, before Christ ascended uh, into heaven after his resurrection, he left us with a command, go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he didn't say, if you have a seminary degree. If you're an extrovert, mm -hmm. if you whatever put your insecurity in there, he said, do it, period. Yep. And I think I think that's something that we try to like push off and make excuses for. Yes. I've done that myself a lot. Like when you said introvert, that clicked because I am an introvert and it's really hard for me to get into conversations um, and be bold. I think the Lord has really grown me in that area over the last few years because I was convicted that it's for all of us, whether you're introverted or extroverted, whether you are, you know, it's easy for you to talk to people or if it takes a lot more out of your comfort zone to talk to people, like it does not matter. We are all called to share the gospel. And the cool thing about God is that he equips us according to how he's made us. And so for an introvert, he has given me gifts that an extrovert does not have. And mm. That's exactly what he did for these men too. Each each person that shared the gospel when it first was being shared, they all had their own gifts and abilities that God had equipped them with to spread it. And that's why it spread like wildfire. That's why we know it here today because of those men who did not have an education, a formal education on scripture. 
Yeah. And just like you were saying, I really think this is the verse of encouragement for those who fear Mm -hmm. that they might not explain the gospel well or have enough knowledge to be able to answer questions when people push back. Um, I'm going to tell you guys something, and this might come as a shock. You do not have to have an answer for every question. (laughs) That's not an excuse. They don't know how to answer the questions. If they have a question and you don't know the answer, you simply say, I don't know, but I will find out. And it's almost like you get an extra level of respect Mm -hmm. from being honest instead of trying to pull something out of your, you know, (laughs) hiney or whatever. I'm serious. Kohik finishes off. She's laughing like, it's okay. It's totally fine. (laughs) Never coming back. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Kohik finishes off by saying, take heart. Paul notes that trust in the Lord will allow anyone to speak the word. I'm going to say that again. Paul notes that trust in the Lord will allow anyone to speak the word. They are fearless, for they trust that the same power that animates Paul will watch over them. To others, however, Paul's words represent an unwelcome conviction that they are responsible to speak. It is not their pastor's job or their Sunday school teacher's job or some other paid professional's job to speak the word. It is a responsibility shared by all. I love that. All right, guys, we're going to take a little break here, um, and we will be back after a word from our sponsors. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a message from our sponsors. We are able to continue podcast episodes like this because of our Patreon supporters, Jerry Lewis, Kelsey Graff, Soyan Barber, Julie Carter, Amy Mathis, Jill Walters, and Dave Hansel. If you like what you hear, would you consider becoming a partner of The Bold Movement? Our plans range from $5 a month to $50 a month with exciting incentives for growing Christian women. Just visit www.patreon.com forward slash The Bold Movement. Now, back to the show. All right, guys, and welcome back. If you want to be a Patreon supporter, you can do that too at www.patreon.com forward slash the bowl movement, and you will hear your name on our podcast next time. Isn't that exciting, Emily? Oh, you know what? I listened to one of your podcasts the other day, and I thought, you know what? I want my name on there. <laughs> Did you really? So that I can hear my name on your podcast. <laughs> well, here you go. Emily, Emily, Emily. <laughs> I love that. Well, um, if you guys are like Emily, don't walk, but run with your fingers over to the Patreon website because uh, when you help us financially, we're able to do ministry without freaking out about how we're going to pay for it. (laughs) And that's just the God's honest truth. So, like, I'm not even going to try to, like, make that pretty. I'm just going to tell you how it is. Nobody's in ministry for the money. (laughs) Or they should be. It shouldn't be. There are some. I don't know. We're about to read about some people. (laughs) All right, guys, let's start in verse 15. Grab your Bibles and your pens. Get ready to underline because this is where it gets juicy. Verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love. And if Seriously, if you don't know what latter means, that means the the goodwill people, the last part of the sentence. And I say that because I had to Google it probably, I don't know, it's been a couple years ago, but I people would say former and latter. I still and, through the process in my head of like, okay, which one is which? Every single time I read it. 
Well, when they said ladder, I always thought they were sell- saying like L A D D E R. So like I thought it was like what's on top. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was um, amazing. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Listen to that, guys. Knowing that I am here for the defense of the gospel. That is so good. The former, the ones before, the ones who were preaching from envy and rivalry, proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Okay, <laughs> again, I totally wish I could be more like Paul here because <laughs> I have the skin of a frog, which is very thin, <laughs> very thin skin. I don't know if frogs have thin skin or not, so it was probably a terrible example. Let's go research that after this. Yes, but I love the idea of having skin like a rhinoceros. Their skin is like three inches thick. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's true. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Three inches thick. And um, here he says, you know what? Who cares why they're preaching the gospel, Um, whether it's to be offensive to me or not? I'm just like overjoyed that Christ is proclaimed. And in the Greek, when he's talking about rejoice, it means like many, many exciting happiness joys. Maybe not those words exact. I'm going to pause for a second. That siren is the joy that Paul felt when people were preaching the gospel. That's like perfect timing. I mean, God knew what he was doing. That was, you know, divine providence, I guess. That's sovereignty. We can all agree on that. Okay. All right. What say you about these verses? Okay. Um, I mean. I caught you off guard, didn't I? You did. I, yep. Here we go. We're it's ready. okay. We're doing it. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Just diving me right in. It's good for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm pushing you off the diving board. If you drown, don't worry. I don't know how to swim, but I trust Jesus. <laughs> oh, anyway, I think like my first thought is I... Like, I know my flesh, I would not be able to just be rejoicing if my character was being um, burned like this. Like, I would be thinking about my reputation and I'd be thinking, like, okay, like, why are they trying to ruin my life to make their lives better? How can I maybe not ruin their life back? But, like, I certainly wouldn't react to being joyful and wanting to rejoice that the gospel was being preached. But um, Paul is somehow able to look past that and see, like, these people were doctrinally sound. Like they were preaching the true gospel. It wasn't like some false gospel that they were preaching. Like they were preaching the right things. It's just that their motives weren't right. Um, and somehow Paul's able to look past that and say like, whatever, like I don't really care about their motives because people are hearing the good news and that's the most important thing. That's why I'm in prison because I want people to hear the good news. So um, just another testament to his humility to be able to just say like I don't care about what people think about me um they can say what they want about me they can do what they want to become as famous as they want but if they're preaching the true gospel then fine like I'll just rejoice that the Christ is proclaimed That's and I think this is I think you made a really good point they are not preaching another Christ or another gospel right they're preaching the true gospel yeah um they're not heretics. 
Right. They're just hateful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're just hateful. (laughs) And I think a lot of times as Christians, if someone does not agree with us 100% of the time on every single issue Mm -hmm. or uh, on the open-handed issues, as I like to call them, um, we automatically write them off. And um, it's very easy to call people who do not agree with your theology heretics. Yes. Um, That's very easy because I do it and I need to stop. (laughs) I do it in a joking manner. I'm not, I don't think they're genuine heretics. I just think, you know, like these people, they're hateful. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're not hateful. It's hard to look past it though. Like when you personally experience that, like. To be able to look past the fact that you maybe disagree on a few things, but like at the very core, you agree. Like how mm-hmm. often do we throw that aside and say, well, we don't agree on this and this and this. We agree on Jesus, but we don't agree on all this other stuff. So then you're out. Like I can't be around you, but we should have way more grace than that. It's not natural for us to have that much grace for people. Absolutely. A great example of this. Let's go to the great uh, creation debate. Mm-hmm. You know, a literal six days or, mm-hmm. um, you know, is it an old billions of years old, old mm-hmm. earth versus young earth? Mm-hmm. That is an open handed issue. Yep. No matter which way you believe, you're not going to hell. It's not heresy. Right. And we don't need to discredit one another when we are both sharing the gospel mm-hmm. because we don't agree one way or the other. And I know there are some, I think this is a good point. Some people, um, we'll say, well, that person is a young earther, therefore they're cuckoo, don't listen to them. Mm-hmm. And you are you could be taking away opportunity for people to hear the gospel by discrediting them because they don't believe the same way as you. Yep. Vice versa, that person's an old earth. How could you not believe uh, the literal translation of scripture? They don't believe in the Bible, therefore their gospel is false. Not necessarily. If they're preaching the true gospel and the true Christ, let them preach. Yep. I feel so like Paul we did. We see this even on like social media, like if something bad happens in the world and a Christian influencer kind of takes advantage of that to talk about it and they gain a following through that, like we're really quick to just get so angry about that when focus shouldn't be, you know, like it might not be right. Their motives could be wrong. Um, They're using something bad to gain their influence. I think that's what these people were doing to Paul. Like they're using something bad that happened to Paul to gain influence for themselves, um, maybe even fame and gain more followers than Paul. Like, I think they were jealous of him. Um, oh, yeah. But, like, Paul doesn't focus on that. And in the same way, like, when we see that on social media, like, that's not where our focus should be. Our focus should be on the gospel and proclaiming the gospel. And, you know, you might be able to privately take somebody aside and say, like, let's talk about this, these motives. But Paul just rejoiced that the gospel was being preached back to that over and over. Absolutely. In O'Brien's commentary, he says the driving force of this first group is thanos and uh, eris, well-known ethical terms. You know, those well-known ethical terms. (laughs) (laughs) Those are in Greek. Don't worry, I'll translate. And uh, these well-known ethical terms that turn up in contemporary lists of vices, envy, and jealousy. According to Aristotle, this was not simply a zealous, the desire to have what another person possesses without necessarily bearing a grudge against him because of it. Rather, the concern that was more to deprive the other person of the desired thing than to gain it. So this isn't Paul saying, 
watch out because of their envy. Um, it's more like I am willing to let that slide because yeah. people are gaining Christ in that. And then the famous uh, Athenian philosopher Xenophon, Xenophon, I don't know how to say his name because I am not a philosopher, but if you are, sorry, I butchered that. He said, and this is really good, so I'm quoting it. He said, the envious are those who are annoyed only at their friend's success. Mm. And that really, I think, bottled up what envy was. Because I'm always like, I always just associated envy and jealousy as uh, synonyms. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there's a little bit more to it. Envy is uh, annoyed at your friend's success. You want what they have. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was really good. Yep. Um, And then Carson, I'm going back to Carson because I thought he had a really good point. He said, Paul's example is impressive and clear. Put the advancement of the gospel at the center of your aspirations. Mm -hmm. Our own comfort or bruised feelings, our reputations or misunderstood motives, all of these are insignificant in comparison with the advance and splendor of the gospel. As Christians, we're called upon to put the advance of the gospel at the very center of our aspirations. This, what's happening here in Philippians, is not permission to be the person who has ulterior motives. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not permission for you to do that because Paul is excusing that for the advancement of the gospel. What he's saying is, if you're in that position, excuse others, but you are to check your motives. Yeah. Yes. Because we always have to be thinking are we becoming more Christ-like by what we're doing? And I would say in that sense, being Christ-like would be like letting go of the little things, Mm -hmm. (laughs) focusing on the really important things. And if you're looking at someone else, you're looking at the speck in someone else's eye, you're not inspecting the log in your own, you know, then you are missing out on you being able to share the gospel, you being a, a vessel of the gospel. And, um, that's the most important thing. Absolutely. Um, I put my notes out of order, but something O'Brien said about earlier um, when Paul was talking about uh, his imprisonment advancing uh, the message of the gospel. Um, I thought this was really good and I put it in my notes, but I put it in the wrong spot. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit. (laughs) He said, Paul has just told his readers that his imprisonment had stimulated the majority of local Christians to a more daring and fearless proclamation of the word of God, right? We talked about that. And then he said, and this kind of caught my attention because I never thought of this, and I want to see what you think. The implication is, however, that a minority has remained unmoved. Hmm. What do you think about that? That, you know, his um, him being imprisoned has stimulated most of the local Christians. It's given him this boldness and this courage. If the Holy Spirit can do that with Paul, the guy who used to persecute Christians, used to kill them, and now he is the one who is boldly proclaiming despite what people think. Um, but the implication is that a, minor- a minority of those who are Christians, are uh, they've remained unmoved, and they are the ones who are preaching... With their other motives or against Paul. What do you think about that? I never saw it that way, I guess. I mean, I think two things. One, you can't reach everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're going to offend somebody at some point. Um, but I think two, just because someone wears the Christian name tag doesn't mean that they're going to be maturing in their faith the way they're supposed to be. And um, 
And yet someone who doesn't wear the Christian name tag might actually be someone who hears and accepts the gospel much more freely. Um, And so I think when we're sharing the gospel, if we have in our mind, oh, this person will probably hear it better than this person making assumptions about who's going to hear the gospel better, we might be missing out on someone who is completely open to it simply because they might not seem like the type to hear the gospel. For sure. Um, Last thing I want to say. So the Greek word for uh, the goodwill is eudokia. Eudokia, sorry, that is an Omicron, not an Omega. Eudokia, <laughs> which is not, you're like, okay, weirdo. <laughs> Greek is for geeks. <laughs> <laughs> which is not a classical word. And um, according to O'Brien, the uh, Eudokia, how it's used here, is completely restricted to Jewish and Christian literature. So this isn't one of those common Greek terms that's used frequently. In the Septuagint, which is the um, Greek translation of the Old Testament, it renders the Hebrew rasan and usually refers to the good pleasure of God. So this isn't just like goodwill or tidings and goodness and, you know, like the Christmas songs. I was, what is the good tidings or Christmas and and goodwill? Well, I don't know. Okay, that was lame. Anyway, um... This word is like a divine goodwill, a divine good pleasure or the will of God, um, even when there was no express reference to God in, in this section. So I think that's interesting. So they uh, they preach. Let me go back here. Um, but others from goodwill. That's from a divine good place. Like um, it's it's. Mm. involving God. It's not yeah. just like the goodness that comes out of you, if that made any sense. They had maturity in their spiritual walk. Right. Did I just beat the, did I beat that till it was dead? I feel like I just over explained <laughs> that really bad. <laughs> All right. Miss Emily, do you have anything else to add to these six verses? Okay, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to ask for your Greek knowledge here. Cause I have a word that I wanted to ask you about. Uh-oh. Uh, the Greek word for advance. I wrote it down, so you can tell me if I pronounce this the correct way. Prokosin? Uh, listen, Koine Greek is a dead language. So anytime someone tries to tell me I'm not pronouncing it correctly, I just look at them and I'm like, you don't know how to pronounce it either, okay? <laughs> okay, okay, so we'll just say it's Prokopin, and we'll just go with that. But it's the word advance for advancing the gospel. So like the whole point of this whole scripture is about like the importance of advancing the gospel regardless of, you know, your comfort level. But the, the Greek word for advance, I looked it up in, in my commentary and it said, <gasps> Oh my gosh. I know. Ooh, you go girl. Call me the next Megan. I don't know. No, you stop it. <laughs> I love it. But it used to describe a blazing a trail before an army. So Paul saw these events that were happening while he was in prison as forging new territory for the gospel. So like the things that seemed to inhibit the freedom of the gospel actually became like its springboard. Like he didn't say that the gospel spread in spite of the things that were happening to him. He said it was because of these things. And so I think that's really important to think about when, when we're thinking about advancing the gospel, like it is forging new territory for the kingdom. And it is like, it's, it's battle. So there's going to be trial and there's going to be um, persecution even, but 
because of those things, the gospel will be spread. Do you want to know something kind of, I think is pretty cool? And it actually, the uh, word for gospel in the Greek is euangelion, okay? <laughs> and in the Septuagint, which again is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, um, any time that there was a battle, they would carry the euangelion, which is the victorious battle cry back to the homeland that they won the battle. Yep. And so for you to say they're foraging for the <laughs> troops yep. so that they can carry out the victorious battle cry. That gave me goosebumps. How fitting, right? The nerdy side coming out. like <laughs> Yes. And I love it because, um, I mean, Jesus told us repeatedly, this is war. We are not in a battle anymore. This is war. It's a spiritual war. Um, It's not against flesh and bones because, I mean, what is that compared to eternal, Mm -hmm. um, our eternal state and our eternity? So, um, ladies, I guess what we're trying to say is use your persecution and your trials as your springboard, as you said, to (laughs) forge a path for our victorious battle cry and in english we would just say to advance the gospel (laughs) (laughs) but i think that's that's one of the reasons that i think greek is so important when we're studying yeah Yeah. um there's so much more to it all right guys (laughs) what is it i said you'd miss that otherwise Oh, absolutely. And it's not that you don't understand the Bible without Greek. It's that with it, you're able to go deeper and um, be more fulfilled when you exactly. when you read that, yep. I think. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> Guys, this has been so much fun. Emily, um, you coming back? I'll come back, I guess. I put her on the spot. That way she had to say yes. <laughs> Paid me to say yes, actually. That's right. That's me. I'm very pushy. No. (laughs) Guys, The Bold Moment is a ministry that helps Christian women gain confidence in their biblical literacy, faith, and evangelism through customizable content strategically created to work with our community support to enhance and expand the kingdom of God. We'll be back next week. See what I did there? We'll be back next week, and I hope that you guys join us. This is a quick reminder that you can partner with us through our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the bold movement. Okay, ladies, until next time, go out and be bold.